I don't even care if Joe Biden was dead. I don't care if he was not, <laughs> literally not not alive. I would vote for him anyway. It's like dig him, literally haul him up out of his grave, stick him on a chair. I would actively pretend that he that he was actually still alive. That he, you know, if the, you know the emperor has no clothes, I would be saying no, no, no. He's got clothes on. I don't care. He's he's alive. The the guy is completely fine. I you know I don't know what you I don't know what you're talking. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, just put his aviators on and it'll be a political weekend at Bernie's. Hey everybody, welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode number 12. This is your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you today? Are you stressed out, angry, pissed off, mellow, calm? Where are you today, my friend? Beyond the point of caring. <laughs> Subject to change. Subject to change, yeah. Well, I think uh, first off, first off, we we definitely need to talk about the the Joe Biden gaffe, um, which was not uh, not Joe Biden's finest moment today. And uh, let me think, Mike, you, you have a clip, you have a clip lined up for us to listen to, and this is Joe Biden telling Charlemagne the God today that um, if you aren't, if you don't know the difference between him and Trump, yeah, well, just don't spoil it. Let's just okay, play. let's Five play. Seconds, ready. Well, I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. oh, Joe. Oh, Joe, 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 freaking out about it more than black people i don't think biden was trying to be racist here i think that i don't know what he was thinking i don't think he was thinking having said that i wish he would have not said that i also wish he hadn't said that but also we're getting a lot of republicans who are pretending to be outraged at this yeah when republicans are freaking out about this when they freak out about this let's not pretend they actually care about what the substance of what biden said we, we constantly go down this this route that anything that a Democrat says that could be mildly that could be interpreted as being mildly offensive to black people or minorities. Republicans jump on it. It's like, look, guys, you have no leg to stand on at all. This is a, a human being who talks about Trump talks about black people as if he like he, he owns them. I think he called one of them my African-American. He talks about one guy who he worked with and the blacks and, and shithole countries that were th- these are all the African countries. Trump describes as shithole countries. This guy is an eva- is basically a white nationalist and a, and a, a clear racist. And, and for and this kind of concern trolling that Republicans engage in whenever a Democrat says something that could be construed as being mildly offensive. I think it's it's just it's so disingenuous. It's you know, it's like anything they say about the Me Too movement or Joe Biden um, having maybe a history of, uh, you know, inappropriate contact with women. You know, just shut the fuck up. Like Kellyanne Conway pretending. Did you see Kellyanne Conway's remarks about uh, about biden about biden's vice presidential pick that that was a that was a good one i did not yeah so kellyanne conway basically accused biden of wanting to have a woman he can grope 
as his uh, vice presidential pick. I can't remember what the exact words were, but it was he, she. That's what she alluded to. Like a, he said, like a like a frat boy at the end of a party or something, looking for looking for a date. And it's like, listen, do you not know who you work for? Conway is so shameless that she she can sort of disconnect. She has that much cognitive dissonance that she can she can she, she can go out and say that without feeling ashamed without feeling any hint of kind of shame or or uh, or or hypocrisy so i'm not interested in what republicans have to say about this at all they can all shut the fuck up on, on this issue that being said i do think that this was not a very smart thing of biden to say at all you know because it, it basically infers that he gets to d- dictate what what like a white person gets to say what is black and what is not black and i think that that really isn't a place for white people to talk about who is black and who isn't black and what is the bar for being black admittedly if you're black and you're a trump supporter you're probably insane you know given (laughs) given his track given his track record but i i i'm not saying it makes you less black it's that's not that's absolutely not my place to say so i think that's where biden kind of fucked up but yeah it it wasn't good It, it wasn't good and i and i i hope they can do some damage control on this quickly and biden can come out and not make more gaffes and and try and put it right when i see a black republican i do think why this i mean this party is you know it's the republican party is basically at this point the party of aggrieved white people and and it acts like that and i don't understand if you're unless you're rich and i don't care what color you are um, unless you're rich i don't understand how you can support this republican party because they're for tax cuts for the wealthy, they're for deregulation, they're for cutting Medicaid, they're for cutting Medicare. They, you know, they've tried to privatize social security, just eroding the social safety net. And as we know, a lot of Americans who rely on some of these programs, yeah, a lot of white people, also a lot of black people. You know, the, the unfortunate fact is in the United States, black people are not doing it as well economically as white people are on the average. I mean, that's just a fact. And so whenever I see a, a black Republican, I do wonder that. I'm like, why? Well, like this, this party, like how does this party speak to you in any way? I can understand maybe if you adhere to, you know, classically conservative principles and you associate that with the Republican Party, I guess I could kind of see that. But especially since Trump has taken over, it's just about Trump. There's no ideology here. There's no conservatism. It's just Trumpism. It's just it, it's it's just about a, a guy. It's just about a man and his ignorance and his racism and his bigotry. I mean, this is a guy who who said that uh, after the the riots in um, in uh, Virginia, that he said that there were you know the white nationalist um, protests in, in in Virginia that. You know, these are there were some very fine people on both sides. Now, no, wait a second. Right. One side were carrying tiki torches and you know saying the Jews will not replace us, uh, and the other were anti-racist protesters. So there were very fine people on both sides, and he meant it. He meant it because he knows that that's his base. The, the these people, these these white nationalists, crazy people are Trump's base. So Trump is petrified. Of, of ever alienating his base and he knows that his base are a bunch of racists that's why he calls that's why he refers to black football players who who refuse to pledge the you know pledge allegiance to the united states he would call them 
sons of bitches, knowing that he's using that kind of language, right? He kind of riles up the the racist white America that he that that comes out to vote for him. So he knows exactly what he's doing here. He knows he's and the and the the, the African Americans who who are around Trump. There's a lot of there was some you know I, I was reading a piece in Very Smart Brothers, uh, which is a really hilarious website, and uh, one of them was discussing the type of black people that Trump kind of keeps around him. And and they're almost kind of caricatures of of um, like of of sort of what was it the I want to quote the piece of like shucking and jiving black people who are there to kind of tr- entertain Trump. It's it sort of you know it where he thro- he throws money at them as well. He throws money at black people it, it, as a, thinking that that's you know he can, he can basically bribe them into voting for him. And I think you know there are some black if you're a black Trump supporter. I'm not saying you're not black, but you are clearly an ignorant idiot, and you're cl- you clearly don't un- have really any understanding of the history of your own people, of of what of what of just how brutal America has been to black people, um, and to you know, and how and how Trump basically embodies that kind of that um that power structure he is the embodiment of of white nationalism of the white power structure that has treated black people in this country so appallingly you know and i I don't feel any sort of i'm not i'm not uh, cautious about about saying any of this stuff because i genuinely think i just i think that if you're a black person and you and you're supporting trump like it's uh yeah it's it's completely crazy and and i think that there are there is a sort of very very small you know i think what is it like three percent of the black population voted for donald trump or something like that i mean there's an astonishingly small number of of, of african-americans who voted for trump and uh I, i've got to say i wouldn't want to spend much time with them there is a reason that david duke the former grand wizard of the kkk supports trump uh, <laughs> there, there's a reason for that less to do with his tax policies and uh, views on abortion and and more to do with Trump's views on race. And like you said, he definitely throws that crowd red meat with the whole very fine people on both sides thing. That that was one of the worst moments of the Trump presidency. Yeah, it was it's an explicit acknowledgement of, of, of who and what his base is. He, he's basically saying, yeah, these these are my people. Even though the the the, the protest, the the overtly racist protest. I mean, even um, the Proud Boys, Gavin McInnes, that dickhead from who used to be at Vice, who has this sort of um, very underhandedly racist organization of kind of aggrieved white guys. Even they, he pulled his guys out because he knew that this was these were it was basically going to turn into a race riot. So if you've lost the Proud Boys, it's bad. And Trump refused to condemn these people. So I think, you know, again, there's no comparison between between Trump and Biden, too. And I think that everyone needs to kind of remember this as well. When you're thinking about Biden's stupid gaffe, it's like, OK, yeah, fine. He fucked up. But what are we what else are we dealing with here? We, you know, let's put this in. Let's put this into perspective. Right. Trump, Biden is not a racist. He's not a racist person. He's an old guy from a different era. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was kind of being cool when he said that. I, I don't know. He, but it was he definitely didn't, you know, he hit that he missed the mark badly on this one. I mean, like you said, he's he's from another generation. I don't think he does this stuff on purpose. And when things are pointed out to him, like uh, you 
can't really say this. I, I think he takes it to heed. Whereas a a guy like Trump, and and I don't I don't know what Trump believes in his heart if he has one. I don't know how he views black people or Hispanics. You know, he called Mexicans rapists. I I don't know if that's a result of what he actually believes, or I don't know if it's a result of saying what he thinks will endear him to his base and win him more support. And for him, I don't think it matters because the result is the same. He says what he says, he puts it out there, he riles up that section of the country and makes people think that it's okay to think these things and say these things and maybe even act on these things. But uh, I understand there's some good news. There's good news yet if you're looking at the polling at the moment. I know you're not a big fan of polls and you and, and uh, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Mike thinks polls are useless and uh, I don't necessarily I don't disagree. say that. I, wait, wait a minute. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I said this early, I think polls are very dicey, although I am going to break my own rule and, and I'm going to make a call in a race for the U.S. Senate. I am ready to declare a winner. And I will explain why. And it has less to do with the polling and just more to do with uh, uh, the historical reality. But please, this continue. is a remarkable turnaround, a remarkable turnaround. Mike. So there's some good news coming out of Michigan. Actually, there's a good news coming in in a number of states, namely um, the, 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 the most important one is Michigan. That Biden is really pulling ahead in Michigan. He's several points up now in, in in the state of Michigan. And Michigan is incredibly important in, in the upcoming election. Perhaps, you know, I think this is where it's going to be won and lost in Michigan and maybe Pennsylvania and Arizona. This is according to the US News. Trump trails presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden, 51% to 45% in Michigan. This is a survey done by public policy polling. Those numbers should be very, very worrying to Trump. That's a large margin. And I don't, I think it's getting worse for Trump because Michigan has been hit so badly by the coronavirus and unemployment numbers are awful there. The state is basically falling apart. And um, if Trump, if, if Biden wins in Michigan and he takes Pennsylvania, which has been hit similarly hard, he's in, he's, he's in a very, very good place. And, and from what I can gather, Michigan might be, it might get to the point where Trump, they, the Republicans just give up on it. There's just no point in them fighting for it anymore because the gap is too big. I don't think that we're there yet, but it could go that way. And also in Arizona. In Arizona, this is this is again where Biden is, is, is making a lot of progress in, in Arizona. And I think that if he can take, if he can lock up Arizona, Michigan and Pennsylvania, he, he, he wins. And that's that was the that's the opinion of one of this was Bill Clinton's this Doug Sosnick. I think we talked about him in the last podcast, who was the White House political director during the president Bill Clinton's re-election race. So that this is basically Biden's best bet to win is to take is to take Michigan, Pennsylvania and Arizona. And thus far, it looks good. And Republicans are shitting themselves about Arizona at the moment. Donald Trump is very worried. Great news. I again, you know, I don't put much stock in polls this early, but I am glad to hear a Democratic strategist not talking about Ohio for once, because everyone every four years talks about how important Ohio is, because Ohio has voted for the the winner of the presidential election every cycle going back 
to, I think 1960 was the last time they voted differently from what, what the, the rest of the country. They voted for Nixon in 1960. But I think every election after that, they have voted for the, the eventual winner. But I would love to see Biden, and I really mean this, I would love to see him lose Ohio, but win the election. So we can be done with this idea that one must win Ohio to win the country. That might be true if you're a Republican, but if you're a Democrat, I mean, all Hillary had to do in 2016 was win Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If she had picked up those three states, she would have won. She lost Ohio, but she didn't. She wouldn't have needed Ohio in that case. I think Democrats really should focus, start focusing more on, like you said, Arizona, and also eventually Texas, because that's turning. And Ohio is not demographically the way they're evolving. It's not really clearly favorable to the Democrats, whereas Arizona is, Texas is. So I would like to see if I'm the Biden campaign, I would spend like just barely enough money in Ohio to convince the Trump campaign that we're making a play for Ohio when in fact we're really not and we're just going to use our resources elsewhere and just get Trump to pour all kinds of money into that state and the super PACs to pour money into that state and then just use your money elsewhere. Use it in those three states that Hillary lost that I just mentioned. Use it in Arizona. You could pro- you might need it in New Hampshire. Who knows? Iowa. I don't know. But speaking of Arizona. I'm this is your prediction. This is your major prediction here. Drum roll. This isn't a prediction. This is a take it to the bank. Okay. This is take this to the bank. So I'm not making this call based on polls, although I will say a poll that I saw drove me to think about this race more closely. Uh, and there's a history here, and that is the race between Senator Martha McSally in Arizona and Mark Kelly. The reason McSally is a senator isn't because she was elected. She was appointed to replace John Kyle, who had resigned, who himself had been appointed to fill the vacant seat left by the death of John McCain. And McSally was appointed not long after she lost her 2018 election to Kirsten Sinema, who was a representative at the time, and Sinema won the, the Senate race. If you look at Sinema on paper, she is not exactly what we think of when we think of uh, try to envision a quote unquote electable candidate, especially in Arizona in a statewide race. Three things jump out at me on Sinema. She one, she used to be a member of the Green Party. Second, she has no religious affiliation, and three is a bisexual. And so this goes against what we think of when we think of an electable candidate, and yet. McSally lost to cinema. And this time around, McSally is going up against Mark Kelly, who is literally an astronaut. The guy is an astronaut. And this is who McSally is going up against. And the polling, to get back to the polling, is horrible for McSally. The last two polls show her losing by double digits, including in Maricopa County where Republicans tend to dominate. She's losing there. And that is a really, really bad sign. And so that's kind of what, that's what got me thinking about this race 
and who McSally lost to the last time around putting it into the context. So I am telling you right now, you take it to the bank. Martha McSally has no fucking chance. She can go straight to private life. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Thank you for your service. To, for you to make a prediction this far out, that, that's a big thing. You, you well, think that, uh, so you think, how do you, what do you think, how do you think Biden's going to do in the state as well? If, if they take the Senate, would you think that as goes to the Senate, so does the presidency? When, <laughs> when, when Kelly wins that race, we will see that Biden will have overperformed in Arizona. Do I think he takes Arizona? Too early to say in that race. But I think Biden either maybe Biden either wins Arizona or loses by not a very large margin. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, th- I don't know whether Democrats are favored to win the Senate. I, for the last polling I saw on it was it was looking um, more and more hopeful for, for the Democrats to win the Senate. And I, th- I think, you know, obviously winning the presidency is the most important thing to get Trump out of office is, is absolutely vital. But boy, if they took the Senate back as well, because Arizona could be, you know, that that's that's key part of the strategy would be flipping Arizona. That would be quite the achievement. That would be quite the achievement. I think the weakest senators uh, the Republicans have are Cory Gardner in Colorado, Susan Collins in Maine uh, and, and McSally. And I would absolutely love to see Mitch McConnell go down. It's a big hill to climb, but it's possible. He is he's one of the least popular senators in the country. Kentucky's tough. He may very well win re-election. He will probably win re-election, but I would love to see that. I would love to see the face of Trumpism in the Congress go down. Just wiped out. Yeah, and I think really that's the only way to 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 take this thing. To, to, to end this thing is for Trumpism to be wiped out. And that means uh, just losing the presidency and losing the Senate and obviously losing, losing the house too, which is, I think that's, I don't think that the Democrats are in any danger of, of losing the house, you know, so that would be, I mean, just phenomenal if we managed to do that. And that would be the only sort of true way of just, just basically purging the, Trumpism from the Republican Party. Uh, as a side note, have you noticed how Trump has been continuously tweeting about Fox News? I have. He's been very critical of them lately. So I have a theory on this, and I think this theory is shared by quite quite a few people, actually. Uh, my theory is that I, I don't think he ever expected to win the presidency. I don't think he thought he was going to win in 2016 either. I always thought that his play here was to start his own television network. And I think that he is not so sure about 2020 anymore. I think he might. I think he's not uh, that confident about his his chances of re-election. And I think he's laying the groundwork to start a new TV network. There's that. Who, what's that crazy pro-Trump network that his? I think is One American Network. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know. It's where all the sort of really batshit crazy conservatives go. I mean, you can't even call them conservatives anymore. You just call them lunatics. These complete, com- complete nut jobs are this network. So this is my my theory is that right now what Trump is doing, he's going, he's doing a divide and conquer at Fox News, 
right? So he's making sure that the, that, that there are two there are two very distinct factions within Fox News, in which the pro-Trump commentators and the and the um, you know the rational attached to reality commentators of Fox News. And what he wants to do, and I think this is going to start with Sean Hannity. Is that he is going to try to poach Sean Hannity and some other more the more batshit crazy Fox News hosts and bring them over to the One News Network or whatever the fuck it's called and and basically get a controlling stake in that and that's going to be his retirement plan. That's my theory. It's an interesting theory. D- does Trump need a retirement plan though? Well, he needs something to do, and I think he wants to create kind of maximum damage. You know, he it's the, he has a cult of personality, right? So, so he needs to continue, you know, having a platform which he can speak, you know, that he can reach his followers. And I don't think, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I have a hard time seeing what he does if he, after he gets, or if and after he gets kicked out of office. What, where, where he goes you know my guess is that he's not going to first of all i don't think he's going to he's he won't if he loses he's not going to go quietly that's for damn sure right he's i don't think he's going to try i don't think he wants to leave uh, i think he will claim voter fraud i think he will do everything in, in his power to claim that the, the the vote was rigged and there's a deep state coup and etc cetera, etc cetera, and that he has to stay on i think that that will be his number one that will be his his uh first move uh, but after that, I mean, you've got to do something. Well, you, what's he going to do? Go back to New York? He can't go back to New York because no one, no one will do business with him there. And he's going to have lawsuits up the backside in New York and the Southern District of New York. I mean, this, he could go to jail. I mean, th- this is, um, you know, th- this is what everyone I think should. If you want to feel happy going into the, going into the weekend, just think about this: that Trump genuinely could go to jail after this is over, and he's not going to get a presidential pardon either. There are so many lawsuits waiting for him when he leaves office. His only way to escape the lawsuits is to stay in office. If you want to feel happy, you can read an article The Onion published in 2013. And it's one of those faux op-eds from a celebrity or famous person that they run from time to time. And that op-ed is by Donald Trump. And it's titled, When You're Feeling Low... Just remember, I'll be dead in about 15 or 20 years. I'll just read an excerpt. That's right. In the not very distant future, I will die and then be gone from the world for all eternity. You may even get to watch me in a casket on national television being lowered into the ground, never to be seen again. I bet you're smiling just thinking about that. (laughs) Is is it bad now that I don't, if he got, coronavirus that i wouldn't really care that much is that bad is that a, is that a terrible thing to say no because he's a terrible person objectively a terrible person i've been thinking about this a little more in the last episode uh i said that i wish there were an existential angst index because i think it would be really sky high you know just kind of like how we have like an economic optimism index like or do you think the country's on the right track or the wrong track I was saying that we should have an existential angst index, and it would be sky high for a lot of people, including me right now. And I thought more about this. When you are growing up, society through you know, parents and relatives and friends and, and schools and other institutions, they instill in you a set of values, right? What it means to be a good person. Things like honesty and loyalty to one's friends and, and one's spouse 
and taking responsibility when you make a mistake and giving other people credit when they do good things. You know, not, not being boastful, being modest. And, and we are now in a situation where we as a country have just thrown that by the by, but through the election of this man as president of the United States, the country decided in 2016, you know what? You know all those things that we say we're all about values-wise? Nah, forget it. We're going to elect this guy. We're going to elect a narcissist, a liar, a cheater. He cheats his, He's cheated his wives. He's cheated contractors who have worked for him. And he's a sexual predator. And he's a sexual predator. So. Uh, a, yeah, a admitted pussy grabber. And, you know, a guy who... Who said, and this is, I don't think people talk about this, this thing enough. He once said that if Ivanka wasn't, if Ivanka weren't his daughter, he would be dating her. That is some fucked up repugnant shit. I don't know what's going on in his brain, but that is, that is totally twisted. Who says that about their daughter? That's, what? So this is, this is why I'm kind of in the position I, I, I'm in, like of this existential angle. It's like, nothing matters. Like everything I have been taught, uh, you know, values wise and, and, and all that stuff. And I have, I have tried to live the best I can in accordance with those values that, you know, my parents and everyone else tried to instill in me uh, the, the best I can. I come up short as we all do. But yet, on the other hand, we have the worst people in, in business and politics. And now the White House just ascending to positions of power and influence and being war being awarded for their aberrant behavior. It's really put me in a dark place. I I understand the feeling, man. I mean, it's it's you know, I think the coronavirus thing is really highlighted as well like just how deep the kind of rot is in 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 this country i, I hate to say it you know i look I, I love the i love america i love living here and you know it's as as great as it is bad and but you know there are certain times when particularly like the mass shootings for example and the, the, the i mean that really gets to me and and the fact that they do nothing about it and, and then also the you know the the election of donald trump and then now the coronavirus thing it's like you know, it's a badge of honor to sort of take your mask off and fucking spit on people and breathe on people to show how American you are, to show how pro-freedom you are when you're just being an arsehole. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're kind of living in, it's weird. It's a culture that sort of encourages being an arsehole, right? And Trump is just, he's just a symptom of that. You know, he's just basically like, yeah, now it's fine. Now it's okay to be a racist. Now it's okay to kind of say all this shit. It's like, I, I hear you, man. It's, it's we're in a, we're in a dark place, you know. I I always I hope that the coronavirus was going to make was going to help the country pull together, you know, and have a common purpose and a common cause to fight for and to be you know kind and decent to each other and respect each other by not going out and and not trying to infect other people deliberately. But look look where we are now. This leads into the other uh, uh, um, topic we were going we were going to discuss today about um the guy who was recently arrested so a michigan man tried to steal a helicopter shoot up a hospital to free patients under covid19 quarantine so michigan here we go this is a story from the daily beast the michigan man allegedly threatened to shoot central dispatchers drive to u.s coast guard station steal a helicopter and then shoot up a hospital in a bizarre plan to free coronavirus patients according to court documents unsealed on thursday 
This is a guy, Jesse T. McFadden, a convicted felon who was in possession of a firearm, um, was uh, allegedly called Aranac County Central Dispatch Staff on May 17th and threatened to shoot them. And then he drove up the, to the Coast Guard station in Bay City to steal a helicopter to further his plan to attack a police station and shoot up a local hospital. I mean, what the fuck? Where are we? We're in a position. Well, just getting back to one thing you, you said a few moments ago before getting to this guy, you know, about coronavirus being potentially a, a time to bring us together. That might have happened, except for the guy that we have in the White House, who has used it to divide the country because it's what he does. As for helicopter guy, I, you know, who knows what the thing was that sent him off. Obviously, he thinks coronavirus is some sort of uh, hoax or overhyped situation. But you may recall another person who at one point thought it was a hoax and said it was being overhyped. And that's the president of the United States. And this this helicopter thing really underscores why it very much matters what Trump says. And when conservatives are asked about the latest crazy thing that Trump said, they inevitably respond with something to the effect of, well, I wouldn't have put it that way, as if the problem with the thing Trump said was that you know he used the wrong word or he used a word that's not actually a word, like George W. Bush. Uh, you know, They misunderestimated me. When in reality, what's really going on is dangerous bat shittery. And I know it can be easy to dismiss Trump's rhetoric as innocuously stupid. But we have to remember, there are 320 million people in this country, out of which Trump has a sizable cult following that takes what he says to heart. And also, when you have this many people in the country, statistically, many of them will be mentally unstable. And so when you combine this with our garbage healthcare system, where a lot of folks with psychiatric disorders fall through the cracks, they get denied treatment, or they get denied medication because they don't have insurance, or they do have insurance, but their HMO says they won't cover a treatment or a medication because the HMO is prioritizing shareholders over patients. We have all of this at play. You will have some people who act violently because they believe things that are not real and they aren't being treated for whatever disorder they have. And so that's just the, the people who are clinically unstable. I don't know if this guy is clinically unstable, but again, there are lots of technically sane individuals who think Trump is the greatest president ever, which in any rational country would be grounds for institutionalization. But unfortunately, we have a higher threshold for, for committing people. But that, that aside, in, in the U.S., I mean, keep in mind, there is an immense amount of firepower at almost anyone's disposal. The Republican Party and the NRA, they, they oppose background checks, waiting periods, a national gun registry. Almost anyone in this country, if they want, can stock up on all kinds of guns and go absolutely apeshit on people who they think are preventing America from being great again or who they think are perpetrating a, a coronavirus hoax. So one lone nut job can inflict big time damage as we've seen, just take any one of the mass, the many mass shootings we, we have had in this country. This is why what Trump says matters. 
just like it matters when he says hydroxychloroquine might stop coronavirus. Those two people in Arizona we talked about a couple episodes ago, they took it in the form of fish tank cleaner and one of them died. The woman lived and went on the record and said they took it because Trump touted it as, as a cure. And conservatives, they say, well, they took it, but they took it in the form of fish tank cleaner. That's not what Trump meant. But again, in a country of 320 million people, we have a lot of stupid fucking people. Also, I mean, I, I, to your point about you know, being mentally ill, it's like, is this guy, the guy who threatened to shoot up a hospital, is he mentally ill? In America, I don't know anymore whether that counts as being mentally ill. I mean, yes, of course, he's crazy. But Trump is crazy. So now crazy is normal. So being completely fucking insane is normal. I, I don't really get where we, you know, this is this is the the the, rea- the reality is being distorted so greatly now that we don't. I think we don't know what normal is now. What is emotionally stable? What is what does it mean to be an intellectual anymore? What is it in, in America? It doesn't really mean anything. Like you, crazy has now been normalized, so it's no longer crazy. So this guy was acting rationally based on what he's been seeing from his president and from Fox News and from all these other right wing crazy lunatics who are talking about, you know, this is a lockdown and these people need to to, to fight for their freedom and the doctors are liars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I I don't know what normal is anymore. I really don't, or what sane is. So this little news item got me thinking about another incident that we have all forgotten about, Ben. I had to look this guy's name up because I had forgotten it. Who is Caesar Sayok? Oh, wasn't he the guy? He was the the guy who he was the Native American guy. Or no, no, he was. I think he was Latino, right? But he was a pro-Trump nutjob who tried to blow something up. Big, big points for you because if you had told me this guy's name, I because I had forgotten about it. He was the guy who sent poorly made bombs that thankfully didn't detonate. He sent them to CNN. He sent them to the Obama. He sent them to the Clintons. I think he sent one to Eric Holder. But we forgot about him. But that guy, you know, he had been photographed at uh, at least one MAGA rally, I think. And like you said, he was a big Trump guy. You know, obviously he was targeting people that the president relentlessly demonized. CNN, fake news, the Obamas, like he... The Clintons, like he continues to demonize them. And who knows, maybe if Trump uh, acted like a normal president, that guy doesn't send those explosives in the mail. But undoubtedly, talking the way Trump does, completely vilifying his opponents, calling them the enemy of the people, that is without a doubt going to influence people and affect the way they think and affect the way they talk and affect the way they act. And this is why what Trump says matters, unfortunately. No, it does. It, it really does. And this is why you need a sane president. This is why this is why I'll take a, a, a nonstop gas machine, Joe Biden, who says, you know, the occasional stupid thing. Um, he's not advocating fucking drinking bleach or sticking UV lights up your backside to cure disease. He's not fermenting white nationalist violence. He's not. You know, this is what I would take. I, I, as I said, I would, t- I would take Dick Cheney over this guy, Dick Cheney, right? At least Dick Cheney wouldn't be up there telling people to drink bleach. Okay, so I'm going to press you on this. This is like the third time you've said this in a podcast. I am not sure where I stand on this Trump or Dick Cheney. Uh, Gun to your head, gun to your head, who do you vote for? You've posited this choice 
to me before, and it kind of broke my brain. So Dick Cheney, we know J Dick Cheney loves invading countries. If you get Dick Cheney, you very well increase your chances of getting a war of choice. Do you not? Yes, yes. You definitely, look, I, I see where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this, right? And, and I say that you vote for Cheney for this is one reason. There's only one reason that you vote for Cheney. You vote for Cheney because you know that by the, after four years or eight years or whatever, he's going to go. That he, he respects the United States Constitution and democracy at least enough to leave when his time is in office is up. The thing I fear about Trump is that he won't. And that's more dangerous in the long term. I feel that basically turning a democracy into a dictatorship, the, the potential for that is too dangerous. Uh, and and the, the damage that he does to the institutions of government are so dangerous that you, you, you can't risk it. That, that's my only reason. Look, I think Dick Cheney is one of the most evil bastards in US history. I mean, a genuinely bad, malevolent person. But I don't think I think that Trump is 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 more dangerous in the long term. Personally, that's that's where that's that's where I am. I, I hear what you're saying. I, the question is, like, how much damage could Cheney do in four years? or eight years. So I, I've been thinking some about comparing the damage Trump is doing to the country to the damage that George W. Bush did to the country for eight years. And if you're talking about tangible things, lives lost, money wasted, George W. Bush is by far worse. I mean, the Iraq war alone puts him above Trump in being worse in this regard. But I think Trump is worse than Bush in another not really tangible way. And that is what he has brought in terms of his character to the White House. He is doing untold damage, lowering the bar with his behavior and his demonization of everything that he doesn't like and basically signaling to 40% of the country or so that this is okay. It's okay to hate and vilify and just absolutely loathe with every fiber of your being the, the media, uh, Democrats, li liberals, uh, it, just everything. And, and I, don't know, I, I don't know what this ushers in. So on paper, George W. Bush, yes, way, 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 way worse than Trump. But I think Trump is, but Trump has really tapped into something that, it, that existed, you know, that preceded him, but he has now let it out. And now it's running wild in the country. And I don't know what kind of damage it's going to do. And it's going to be very hard to manage, or it's going to be very hard to to uh, assess what kind of damage that that it does but so i like get, getting back to your question dick cheney or donald trump i <laughs> I, I don't got know head, got your head i get me it's i maybe cheney just because you, you know what it is i got even i have i have trump fatigue i just i don't i don't want a president who's saying crazy shit on twitter every day i just i'm done like i i can't I can't, this is why, yeah, Pence, if it's between Trump and Pence, oh yeah, give me Pence. Give, give yeah. Pence, I am ready, I am ready. Mike, get the cabinet together, invoke <laughs> the 25th Amendment, get a majority of the cabinet, and vote this guy out, 
And, uh, you know, I'll see you at the polls in November. I'm not going to vote for you, but I would like you to be president right now. Sarah Palin? What? Ben, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Pick, pick. Sarah Palin, Donald Trump. I, I hate you. Listen, you got to give me these questions in advance before the podcast so I at least have time to ruminate. Ugh. Just, but, this is, but this is incredible. I mean, think about this. In a span of eight years, the Republican Party put Sarah Palin and Donald Trump on the ticket. Okay? In a presidential election. What is going on? Like, what's next? What's next? Who who is in twenty twenty four? Is it is it going to be? What was your election prediction? Didn't you have some election prediction about twenty twenty four? Yes, yes, twenty twenty. Oh man, this is this is great. This is great. Gavin Newsom is the governor of California. He is a very skilled politician. He is telegenic. He is well spoken. Uh, It's like the guy was born to be president of the United States. I think he'll be the nominee in twenty twenty four. If Biden loses in 2020, or maybe even if Biden wins in 2020, and maybe he steps aside in four years because he'll be 80 something at that point. Although who knows? I mean, his his uh, his VP will have dibs on the on the nomination, but you know what? That we'll probably still have a primary in that case. Gavin Newsom, I think he's going to run for president at some point, and I think. The Trump cult, they'll want Don Jr. to run for some at some point. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'd like it to happen because Don Jr.'s girlfriend is Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is Gavin Newsom's ex-wife. And I think in this era of reality TV politics and the reality TV president, I think it's only fitting that we have a matchup between two candidates who have both shared the same woman. I'm ready for it. Just inject that into my veins. I'm ready. Give it to me. <laughs> uh, so if that happens, where are you? Would you? Okay. Uh, I'm plan- I, I would leave the country. I think I would. Look, if Trump gets in in 2020 this year round, I'm, I'm out. I think I've had enough. I'm going to have to call it quits because I don't I don't think I can take too much more of this. I don't want to see how much worse this could get. And I think the scenario you're outlining. Oh, man, no, I'm out. I, I, I think that will be it. In, in the, if, if, if Trump wins, uh, I'm out because that sets the, that, that would set the scene, actually, for one of his offspring to take over in 2024, which I. Yeah. I, that's it. That would be the, the, uh, the end of America, I would say. By the way, we talked about this. We're not going to mention the country, but you and I independently <laughs> you know, came up with the country that we wanted to go to in the event that things get crazy. And no, it's, it's not, we, we weren't talking about Canada, but I, I'll just say, I'm not going to be one of these people say, oh, if Trump wins re-election, I'm going to move out of the country. But I will say, if Trump, I am, I will. If, okay, okay, okay. If, but I was gonna say, if Trump wins re-election, I think everyone should have a plan to leave, and they should have a a red line. They should have a threshold for Trump's behavior that triggers their their plan. Whether it's arresting journalists whether it's indicting members of the Obama administration, 
I, and I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but I think everyone should have a plan. They should think about what they're willing to tolerate. And if things get really, really nuts here, then everyone should have a plan to get up and leave. Yes, yes, because things could get very, very nasty, like I think. And I think that if you embolden Trump's base even more, um, you know, if he wins again in 2020, what is that going to do to his base? And and if we thought the last four years are bad, imagine what a completely unrestrained Trump is going to be like. Fucking unimaginable. Unimaginable. So, again, this gets back to the point is, look, I don't care whether Joe Biden says dumb shit on... on um, in interviews about anyone i don't even care if joe biden was dead i don't care if he was not literally not not alive i wouldn't care i i would i would vote for him anyway it's like dig him literally haul him up out of his grave stick him on a chair and let's we could i would i would actively pretend that he that he was actually still alive you know that he, you know, if the, you know, the emperor has no clothes, I would be saying, no, 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 he's got clothes on. I don't care. He's he's alive. He he's the the guy is completely fine. I, you know, I don't know what you, I don't know what you're talking. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, just put his aviators on, and it'll be a political weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, exactly. Who who? <laughs> I'm not fussed at all. So people could say, you know, Biden's got dementia, which he doesn't have dementia. Look, he, he's definitely lost a step, but he's not got dementia. Even if he had dementia, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I don't care. Like it's it's we're, we're at the state now where there there is not a single polit- active politician who I wouldn't take over Trump. There, there, there is nobody uh, who I think uh, maybe. OK, maybe not. There are probably a few crazies out there. Um, who who would be worse than Trump? But I don't know if they have his talent. One of the worst things about Trump is that he has political talent. As dumb as he is, he is talented, and that's a dangerous combination. Having political talent and stupidity is a recipe for fucking disaster, and that's what Trump has got. So yeah, I take it back. I would take any other active politician over Trump because they, even the worst ones, are not skillful enough to translate that into kind of any electoral success. You know, that's one thing I'll give Trump. Like the guy's effective. You know, I, I don't want to. And I think like liberals should not underestimate how how um, dangerous he is. You know, that we we we've done that before, and 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 look, you know, look where we are. Uh, anyway, I think on that note, I think uh, is that uh, is that sufficiently positive to to leave it on that note? Um, that... <laughs> no, I think no. about the polls. Think about the polls. It's not sufficiently positive to leave it on that note, but. It's one o'clock on a Friday, and uh, my wife and I are about to get into a bottle of Prosecco. And we're going to see where it takes us and try to forget <laughs> about the terrible times we're living in. Yeah. Well, anyway, be safe, everybody. And, um, you know, uh, I hope we haven't depressed you too much. Again, the polls. Look at the polls. The polls, even, you know, who knows? Who knows what that means? But it's looking pretty good and thus far. And e- even despite Biden making an idiot, an idiot out of himself, uh right now i'd rather be in biden's position than in trump's so anyway if you enjoyed the podcast uh please subscribe to the newsletter you can subscribe to the free version of the newsletter or you can subscribe to the paid version of the newsletter if you do so at the bottom of the email that you're listening to this in please you can get a 50 percent discount on a banter membership so we'd love you to join that uh also 
read Mike's blog. Mike's blog, newdealdemocrat.com. Newdealdemocrat.com. It's excellent. Anyway, we will see you next week, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. And um, we'll be here again uh, to enlighten you and uh, discuss uh, the week that was. Ta-ta. Bye, everybody.